do you sound okay? I mean, it's me, so there's a, just a, definitely a ceiling on how good I can sound. Oh, I was thinking the opposite. I thought you were going to say... Oh, it's me, so I sound So fantastic. I sound excellent. In case you haven't guessed by now, you're in the grotto pod. Yes. And so am I. And so am I. BQ, but, over here, by the door. By the door, in the subservient position. <laughs> if anyone comes by, guess who's opening that door? You know what, though? What? It won't be the subservient position when this place is on fire. True, and also... Who controls who comes and goes from the grotto pod? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, exactly. So That's right. I think not subservient at all. Not at all. There's nobody else, in case you haven't guessed again. Uh, How does this keep happening, Larry? Nobody else is in the grotto pod today. You know what Sometimes happens Sometimes I feel is, like people don't take our appointments seriously. I tend to maybe agree. However. No, it's fine. Let me just uh, shift relaxed. some of the blame on me. In oh, that, really? Well, maybe not in this case particularly. No, I don't think so. But in the summer, oh yeah, I like to get out. I like to uh, travel you a little bit. Have been traveling. I like to uh, ride on my wife's coattails wherever she's going. I'm going. Is that why you were there? Can I say where you were? Which one? The last one? Any of them? Sure. Yeah. Well, why were you in Washington? That was for your wife's to work. To see her, no, to oh. see her mother and, and oh, her and family. Her yeah. Oh. So we went up there, and it was fantastic. Yes, the pictures looked amazing. It was really fantastic. It was really nice, so much so that it makes me thirsty. Mm, I went to Missoula. Water, which I also think is fantastic. It was great. It was hot, over 100 degrees. Yeah, it was really hot in Lake Chelan. Can I say it was Lake Chelan? That's an American thing? It was Lake Chelan. Lake Chelan is an American thing. It sounds so... It's the Tahoe of Washington State. I've never heard of it. It is fantastic. The pictures Uh, were awesome. We did a little uh, boating, did a little wine tasting. We got accosted by pirates. Uh, wait, wait, say. wait. Oh, I saw that picture. Did you see the video? Jack, whatever. Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Wait, that was in Washington? Yes. That guy looked really did look like Johnny Depp. He did a really good job. They were professionals, the uh, oh. pirates. But he was <laughs> wait, really wait, 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 wait. Not what? professional pirates. <laughs> oh. Professional actors. Impersonators? Acting like pirates. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. In case you also, that's three times. There's a place for all of us. Yes. There's a lot of the guessing world. going on in the Grotto Pod today. Uh, we're winging it today because we don't have a guest. Uh, Unlike normally. What would be funny is if we were to ask each other the questions we were going to ask the guest. Oh, my God. Because we are so not the guest that was going to be here. I know. That, except neither of us would have anything to say on the subject. So to what do you attribute your journalistic intensity? My what? (laughs) What are you talking about? I read about raccoons. What's it like being an investigative journalist in a dangerous position? Don't know. Nope. Uh, unless you consider high school football dangerous for people watching it, I have never had been in a dangerous position as a reporter. Let me ask you this. Uh, you were on vacation. I was on vacation. Kind of. Mine was pretty short. How long was yours? It was just a few days. Yeah, same. Four days. Did you do any writing? No. Maybe we should talk about that. Maybe we wanted we to talk about rejection today, but let's just go well, both. It's all. It's negative. all. Yeah. Since before we were talking about how negative Twitter is, let's just become an extension of that. You, we decided Twitter negative is negative, but Instagram is positive. I need to join Instagram. You're not on Instagram? I'm not. Larry. I feel ashamed. But also, that's where you need to like up your happiness quotient. And Instagram like is all Instagram. like, woohoo, check it out. Well, as someone who uh, I am friends with on a social media platform, you already know that my social media life, mm-hmm. which is usually actually presented by my wife and just I'm tagged. Oh, is it that looks true? like. Oh. All you it's do is a travel. pretty good life. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I'm what do you mean it looks place. like? I'm going here. Y- your life is, okay, I only can say from visuals, but it does look really good. It is. What's I there mean, not to like? Well, I mean, you can't translate existential dread to a Facebook picture. True. But let me just say or the this. dishes. Let me say this, and we're talking about writing here, not my life. But okay, my life is a writer. <laughs> um, here's the problem with my Facebook life. Uh-huh. It's to not real? non-writer friends. Oh, to my non-writer friends who will always come and text me the day I get back from a trip where I have been on my wife's coattails, mm-hmm. such as being in Switzerland for two weeks, walking Did look around, good. doing nothing, yeah. uh, they'll say, boy, I wish I had your life. Yeah. To me, that's a suggestion that, that you have pulled off, Mr. Rosen, you have pulled off the greatest long con in the history of cons. You don't have to do anything. You just go around doing stuff. It's fantastic. It does What look a like deal. That. As if this were somehow like, you know what I'm going to do with my life? Right. Nothing. And instead, in your mind, it's, I don't have anything better to do, so I have to go with my wife on her business trip. Is it like that? It could be a little of that, but it also could be, well, I think that's a little strong. It's more like, boy, sure would be nice if she was coming along with me on my trip. Yeah. We writers, well, you get to go on trips. 
Uh, with my husband? No, no. Oh. Trips that are yours and you're oh, alone. You get yes. to go to Hawaii. Totally, I do. You get uh, to go a lot uh, lately. Upstate too. New York. You yes, I'm going me. to Upstate New York. I'm going to be at the Chautauqua Institute. That's pretty cool. Uh, the second week of August. Come join me. Which is really fun. Have you ever been there? No. Where? How far it's, up is it? Oh, it's up. It's like the, it's but near Niagara course, Falls, kind of. That part of the country in the summer is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It, it's this. Of course, the summer lasts three. Nineteenth century planned community. Uh, is it it's, a utopian community? Uh, no, and they get very, um, uh, br- uh, I don't you know, exercised if you say it was a utopian community. But their idea of utopian community, capital U, philosophy utopian, mm-hmm. and my idea of utopian community are maybe not the same. It's a planned community of a very specific type. That was the eras, right? Uh, right, and organized around these very sort of noble pursuits of art, uh, religion, um, philosophy to me that's utopian maybe with a and small has U continued unbroken since yes. the 19th century uh-huh. the Chita- Chautauqua yes. Chautauqua and Chautauqua. the Chautauqua movement was this movement in the 20th century oh, to spread utopian. I know to spread culture music philosophy etc into the hinterlands of America and my father who grew up in the Midwest that was where he first saw Shakespeare the first time he ever heard really? um, like live music that was like a symphony was mm-hmm. these Chautauqua players that would come with these big tents and give performances but they don't do this anymore do they? well now you go to Chautauqua in upstate New York and all day long there are events that you can attend it's around this lake so you can just go to the lake you can be in these beautiful old homes yeah. with but porches but or you original, can go see sorry, don't mean to interrupt oh, but yeah. I'm going to interrupt yeah yeah do it do it uh, I have no problems with that look actually. woman I'm talking <laughs> oh but I feel fine pushing out. back um if their initial right now, I'm going to do it. If their initial mission <laughs> statement was to export culture, no, it wasn't to export. Okay, yeah, okay. that was just a later idea, oh. a, a high-minded idea to allow everyone to have the opportunity to experience art, music, literature, theater. So you can go to Chautauqua now. Well, you can go to Chautauqua as a writer, as an artist, as a, an opera singer, and and take workshops, or you can go as a person who just likes – there are people who go every summer and have gone for generations, and you so just go just and hang out. So that's their vacation. Yeah, it's like their summer. Go soak up some culture there at Chautauqua. Yep, and their kids go to camp during the day, and they go see, as I did one year, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg talk. The notorious RBG. Oh, my God. I loved her. She was fantastic. I also saw uh, Margaret Atwood. She mm. was amazing. So you've gone there Garrison as – Keeler. You've gone there as a casual – Yes, I've gone there. Attendee. I have friends – I have a friend who grew up there, and uh, her their daughter is my daughter's best friend. And so she was going to mm. camp there in the summers, and they invited me one summer, and I fell in love with it. And I would go and write for a week. Oh, so now you're going. And now I'm going to teach. Teach there. I know. This has been a pretty big year for you. It has been actually, yeah. and I want to say to all the writers out there, uh, the Chautauqua Institute has a writing prize, and really, really, really worth applying to. It's for books of any kind, any genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe poetry, though. Um, it has to be submitted by your publishing house, the Chautauqua right, Prize. Yeah, no, but it's his oh, is not his is about poetry, so he oh, could. Okay. But I don't, um, Matthew, submit your book. Everyone should really. I mean. Uh, and very, very, very cool thing to do and good prize to win. Hmm. So now you know. So do now it. I know. I, I'm, I'm educated on Chautauqua and your mm-hmm. business trips. Now, does Roy oh, right. go with you on these business trips? No, because Roy only has a certain amount of time off mm. per year because he's not a writer. So um, he is not going with me to Chautauqua. He is going with me to go pick up our daughter in Canada. That's true. For you, she will be uh, kayaking for three weeks. Canoeing. Oh, very different. There's a difference. Very apparently, different. we yes. will be doing a little kayaking ourselves here in a few weeks. Uh, not a business. I trip. like the idea of kayaking, but she canoes. Canoeing uh, three and a half weeks. And into they're just hinterlands of Canada. <laughs> and, she likes it. So. And will she be writing while she's there? No. I, you know, I'm but gonna, she's not a writer. I'm going to give you a challenge. Okay. <clears throat> Get me excited about writing again. Here's where I sit. I sit before you <laughs> Ooh, I don't in know. this tiny little room, and I got to tell you, fans, <laughs> and I, I use that term broadly. <laughs> Fan? Fans of Bridget. Uh, no, no. I, You're not right. You're not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it, and uh, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I'm just being confessional. This yeah. is the confessional podcast. There's a there's a poem in that probably. I'm not feeling it. I'm I, I, I'm atrophying a little bit. How do you know you're atrophying? Because it's harder to start, harder and yeah. harder. Yeah, because it was never as I've said. You know, 
I, we were talking beforehand. And I'm going to speak to the podcast audience as if there's someone sitting in the room with us. So we were talking but beforehand. But they are. Uh, about how Facebook will give will tell you what was happening oh, one yeah. year, two years, three yeah, years, four yeah. years ago. Four years ago, I was like on a trip again, a fabulous trip. Thanks to my wife, to who Italy. was on sabbatical from her job to Italy, and she said to me, "Hey, uh, what I want you to do is do a blog, so people will know what we're doing." So I wrote fifteen hundred words a day. I mean, that is so mind boggling to me. I can't even. It gets even better. It took an hour. Boom! Just. It was happy. And then hour. you just hit send, or did you read it over? I read it and, once, and then I screwed. Wow. I threw some pictures in there, but and then people were just, you know, oh my god, this is great. When's this going to be a book? And I thought, well, a never, and b, I'm capable of that. So why not? Right. This. Okay, I have two things to say. One is, does it have to be a book to be a writing? That's a really good question because another yeah. thing we were talking about before was when do you. I'm going to paraphrase. When do you get to call yourself a real writer? Now, here at the Grotto, mm. there are people accomplishing great things. Yeah. And I, and I, I made huge. Them, huge Pulitzer Prize things. And I yeah. made the mistake of looking at the Grotto monthly newsletter last week, and it just compounded like, Christ, what am I doing? Like all these people got yeah. this thing, got that thing, so-and-so's book, blah, blah, blah. It's really fantastic. But, you know, at what point do you just go, well, maybe I'm not a writer? Well, I the thing I told myself in the dark years, of which there was a decade, yeah. was if I'm writing, I'm a writer. And it doesn't matter what you're writing because we also talked about when yes. you freed yourself from the, the yoke of fiction. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had, had – so I started by writing fiction. And, I mean, I had published some nonfiction things, but really I thought of myself as a fiction writer and I had – Right, you exactly. And I had a couple of short calling. stories published and I had a novel that was unpublished and I had the start of another novel. And I basically had a mentor say to me, it's not working. That's scary. And yeah, but instead of, and I was of course was bummed a- and I kind of knew she was right too. Mm. But, and she was the one, and this was like a 10 years ago practically, who said, you're always telling these stories about your family. Why not write, write about that and see how that goes? And it just... It was all there. What's interesting to me in that story is, because I know a little Mm -hmm. bit more backstory, is that you did write about your family and it didn't get published. Well, the memoir itself didn't get published, but but the chapters did. Like I wrote things that immediately got taken at big magazines. I mean, I had had sent things to narrative, submitted things to narrative for probably close to a decade. And that was the one that got taken was about the first thing that ever got taken was about my swimming one. No, it's uh, about playing basketball with my mom. And it was one of the first things I wrote after that. And I just started to fall in love with nonfiction and realized that I read a lot of nonfiction too and that I really liked it. I definitely read a lot of nonfiction. Um, and in my case, yeah, I got those four chapters of the novel that I've written 4,000 times. They're really good. Yeah, but you've got to move forward. <laughs> That's – well, I want to tell you my trick. I have oh, a trick about that. trick? Yeah. I don't know if it was Start over? Never. Oh. No. Start my trick with myself – no, is <laughs> – <laughs> those are the those are bad tricks. Okay. Mine's a good trick. They're tricks nonetheless. Okay, so my trick is because to stop myself from revising the first two or three pages a thousand times till its crystal impurity is perfect and therefore useless and cannot be cut ever is as soon as I stop. Okay, so I write for the day and then I write in giant capital letters. I skip a space and I write start here mm. in bold capitals. And that way I just scroll to that and I try not to read back and just keep going you know forward. What? I do that oh, too you do? and I date it. And yep. The problem is, and this may be, it's maybe a bigger problem, is when you're not writing every day, right. when you go back to go, oh, let's, I want to get inspired by reading this and reminding yeah. myself that it's good. I do think the everyday thing is super important. And Karen Carbo at Tin House. I was hoping you were going to say Karen Carpenter. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I didn't know her. Um, She said once, I remember, that the best advice she could give about writing a book was that you had to just visit it every day. Be sure. Mm -hmm. She said no matter how long it is, even if you only have 20 minutes, and keeping sort of the dream alive in your head, that's a big part of it. No less than Ethan Kanan. When I saw him read years and years ago, he said, just make sure you write one word every day. I know. I think that's all it is. And, And it's so easy to build up in your head that you have to do so much. But... I mean, when I look back on writing Broad Strokes, I really wrote the whole thing in a year, a little bit over a year. 
And so I had to write a ton every day. But of course, there's times where in the past, I would have been like, well, I have all this stuff going on with the kids and the house and Mm -hmm. the this and that. It's Christmas. Can't do it. But I had to do it. But that made it go faster and faster. Let me share something with you, adjacent writers. Okay, yeah. If you... I was telling someone Can they hear all this construction noise? uh, There's construction going on around us. That's not actually... We're not fighting here. (laughs) I'm not kicking them under the table. I'd like to, but Um, there's a chair in the way. Tell me, nascent writers, if you've ever felt this way. I was talking to someone about this. How easy it is when you have a job that may not pay you any money ever mm-hmm. and doesn't or involve very going little. to an office yeah. and there's nobody looking over your shoulder. How easy is it to spend the day dealing with the cable bill mm-hmm. and doing laundry and feeling virtuous and feeling like I got everything on my list done today. Yep. I picked up those prescriptions. I did that. You know, I went and did this. I walked the dog. Good day. That's a problem. I'm almost done with David Sedaris's new book, yeah. uh, which is uh, Theft by Finding, I think it's called. Diary Entries, though. Yeah. And he says that several times. Like, yeah, that he spent the day doing, like, oh, I answered, you know, emails from six months ago. Yeah. And I, yeah, cool. I, I totally. Oh, I feel good. Yeah, and you feel, yeah, and you get the hit of, like, oh, I Yeah, very productive day. I think I'll have a beer. Yeah, so that is a really hard thing to do. Um, well, and, and I want to bring these things up, not to focus on my own failures. But, but it's everyone's. I think these are universal yeah. issues. Yeah. And, and finding... What kind of writing you can do. I think that is an underrated – because, you know, when I was a yeah. kid, and by kid I mean like in my 20s starting all this mess, um, I thought you had to be a kind of writer. You know, like I'm going to be a fiction writer. And oh, yeah. Once I'm that, I can't be anything else. And I started writing – I started doing, I guess, journalism, writing for um, music, you know, publications. And then, well, I guess I'm – you know, I guess I'm a music journalist now. And I guess I'm that. I guess not. But I think I'm talking in circles. But – I think finding when you found that you weren't a fiction writer, it seemed to unlock something for you. It definitely made it seem possible because I felt like I had good stories and I just had to learn how to tell them. And was it easier to do? I think nonfiction is easier. I, I, it's I do. Easier too. I do. It's definitely easier for me. Especially I mean, if it's personal. Right. Well, even I actually find research to be really stimulating. So sometimes that can be. Mm, you know, it's not, it's not, it's an added layer, but it doesn't make it harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're fact checking, but there's that. I mean, I'm not a journalist, so it's. I'm not either. Yeah, it's, it's a completely different thing. But I get really fired up about nonfiction. Like, I get excited about the possibilities, kind of the magic of storytelling within the real world and the weird symbols and metaphors and coincidences. <laughs> yeah, that accumulate. And I get kind of like, like jazzed about that stuff. So I really do love it. I mean, I'm passionate about nonfiction, reading it, writing it. And I think it's an art form. And I think it's as artful as fiction. I just think fiction's probably, for most people, much harder. Definitely. Um, well, I'm not sure, you know. And I love a good novel. I mean, yeah, I mean, and it's, as frustrated as I've been trying to write fiction or trying to sit down and write fiction, I mean, I still love the idea of creating a world. And I love reading. I love entering into those worlds. Right. And like when you said you yeah. like doing research, I think of that more in writing fiction. Like, yeah, I need to create this whole world. So yeah. I better get it right. So I'm going to go hang out there for a while. Yeah. Like remember when Shanti said she went to Mexico and she yeah. visited villages and that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And you I really... wonder about the economics of that. How she did it? Yeah. I think that was... She had gotten a grant. She gotten a grant to go I think that. so. Didn't she say that? It was with something that she had gone... I think that's how that a lot of people do it. a long time ago. That was 24 episodes ago. People don't remember. They should go back and visit it. Ago. Oh, that's our first episode. That was our first episode. Dudes, you got to go back and hear that because Shanti's book is doing fantastic. She's fantastic. And that I don't book know, though, is awesome. But that is also the episode that uh, my friend's mm-hmm. wife said, no, you shouldn't go on the radio. Oh, because you have a bad she voice? Listened, she had listened to one episode. <laughs> well, that may be no, true. No, you shouldn't go on the radio. You're not good at it. Was it the swearing? I not, I'm not the one swearing, by the way. It's you and Joe Loya who are doing the swearing. Mostly Joe Loya. Also an episode not to be missed, in my opinion. Absolutely. I know. You got summertime. You know, I'm really into books on tape. Oh, my God. My book came out on, in Audible. On Audible? In Audible? Let me ask you this. When your book comes out on Audible, mm-hmm. who gets to decide who reads it? Well, I wanted to read it and I didn't get to. So uh, somebody else gets to decide <sighs> who bought it. Put- I I was it was the same as with the cover. They gave me 
examples of the cover and said, what do you like? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because I was choosing. It was because I got to have input. See, that would bum me out. And I got to listen to three uh, voice artists. Is that what, what they're called? Voiceover artists. artists. And artists. I liked one far more than the other two. What did you go for? Did you go for Willowy? No, no. I went for a little... It, she talked faster. I talked fast. Yes. Uh, and so that's I why I picked that. her, and they and she's the one who reads it, and she also speaks French and sounds like Italian. Her pronunciation's fantastic, except, oh, except. this is funny. <laughs> it starts the acknowledgement. Thanks. So I'm called BQ, and mm-hmm. I call Roy as a joke. R O. Yeah. So it's dedicated to R O, and she said for Ro. <laughs> Did they leave it? Well, I didn't know until it came out. For I Rho. don't get to hear any of it. For Rho. Short for Rhoda. You know, Mary Tyler Moore's <laughs> best friend. So I thought that was funny. Um, but she got the names of, you know, major artists and Would you listen techniques. to your own book on tape? For sure. Yeah. I love books on tape. I'm I really... Don't. You don't? No, I don't. What are you saying? I'm saying that I don't. But why don't you like them? But you listen to podcasts. It's different. Huh. I, I want to see I want to see the words, man. I, I like know. The I words. find... Often fiction is actually harder for me to listen to in Audible unless it's someone fantastic right. than nonfiction. Um, like I listen to David Sedaris. He's got a great voice. It's so perfect. It's exactly what you would imagine it to be. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I love it. I love I, it. You know, and, and just like we were talking about before, I have a hard time – I'm finding I have a hard time reading fiction on a Kindle Same with well. me. Same with me. Nonfiction, no problem. Yep. Fiction, it's a little harder. Yeah, that is true. I like fiction. I like a book. Definitely like a book. Give me a little uh, infusion of how it feels to feel all the success. But what do you mean by success? Your book has sold way more than you thought it would. That's true. You are in demand. People are asking you to do stuff. (laughs) I know. That's fun. Let me tell you how I define success. Okay. It comes from an episode of Breaking Bad. (gasps) I've never seen it. It's, It's good. But there's a part where he walks up to like a meeting. Yeah. And they say, before he has to say, do you know who I am? They say, oh, I know who you are. That's success. What kind of meeting is it? Like AA It's a drug meeting. No, it's like the drug dealer meeting. They know Um, who he is. Oh, but I don't think that happens to me. But I do feel successful in the sense that um, I'm getting to do exactly what I've always wanted to do. And I just can't believe it. It is so awesome. Like I just wrote a review for the Edward Munch show at SFMOMA. And it just made me so happy that somebody wanted my review. I would say to me... (laughs) And maybe this never <laughs> happens, but to me, success as a writer would come when you stop pitching people and they start pitching you. I think, you know what? That I would think be you're always best. pitching. Oh, that would be so I great. don't know. I don't think, who, who is not pitching? I don't know. No, everyone's pitching. Stephen Everyone. King's not pitching, I guess. I'll bet he is. I, I'll bet Stephen King submits things to the New Yorker that they don't take. I you guarantee. Uh huh. Wow. I do. I don't know anyone. I know. I feel like I know some very successful writers and they all have to pitch. I mean, not always, of course, sometimes people come to you, but it's, and you know what? I think you always experience rejection. Always. Right. Right. All right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about rejection. Talk about rejection. It sucks. It is relentless. It is relentless and it keeps happening. And here's a little tip for you, kitties. It's not always, I would say the worst kind of rejection and the one that seems to happen a lot is one where you don't even get rejected. Right. You just and never you just hear back. Nothing. You it's never hear back. Boom, crickets. Yep. That is, I would say, when I sent my failed uh, memoir out to something like 35 agents. None of them got back to you? No, I'll bet 10 got back to me. Yeah, I've heard that agents often don't get back. And I get that they're busy, but whatever. Right. The problem with that is, because then you're sitting there, there's a certain period of time after you send something hopeful. out. And you're hoping. I know. You know, which is so funny because really, if they want, if they're interested, they're going to respond pretty quickly. I have to tell you a story of my most, you know, where it's all about you, (laughs) like your paranoid, worst paranoid fantasies. Yeah. So I had pitched someone recently and within six hours of me sending the pitch, the person at that magazine tweeted, I can't believe some such inexperienced people would pitch you something so lame and then it sort of wait, wait, wait. Out- outlined and I was sure it was oh, mine tweet? Oh. I was sure it was my pitch I was absolutely certain I mean so certain that I was, was it hashtag write- Montana <laughs> writing a response like and I was going to say like 
I just haven't really done this in 20 years and I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, apologies, you know, or something. And then all these people piled on saying like, what an idiot, what a moron. And whatever was in that pitch, I had also done the same thing. Oh. So these faux pas. And um, I was mortified. I mean, I felt sick to my stomach. I was like almost crying. Finally, I decided I'm not going to tweet. I'm going to email my agent and just say, oh my God, I did this thing. So I emailed her. She's the nicest person in the whole world. And she emails back, ha, why would you ever think that's about you? And I was like, it hadn't even occurred to me. It wasn't about me. Good answer. (laughs) So I was like, oh, but how could the coincidence, she's like, coincidence, they probably got 200 pitches today. Like, don't even, what are you talking about? I mean, it was, she was very nice, but also very like, ha 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 ha. And then I got the, I, like the next day I got an email saying, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so you can also be super paranoid and Which is another like, argument for scared. why Twitter shouldn't exist. Exactly. Because she shouldn't be tweeting that out. Well, I wasn't necessarily a she, I will or tell you he, that. Um, and the other thing that was interesting is the first 20 tweets were piling on like, what a moron, what an idiot. And then someone tweeted back to this thing. Hey man, just be nice. Yeah. Why do you and know? then people went started moving it that way. And then this editor power. responded saying, like, I am nice. I just don't know what to make of this. Or like, they just made a mistake. Like, honest mistake, no big deal. And I just, you know, it was nice to see the conversation turn mm-hmm. to the positive and to the kind. Yeah. Or maybe then let's go to Instagram and take this positive. Okay. Let's just take pictures of each other. Yeah, and be like smiling. Hey. Yay! Thumbs up. Uh you know, and one of the hard things for writers and I'm sure for anyone else is you always think, and maybe you're not here anymore because you've got some success behind you, but I said, this is going to be the break, right? This is it. I remember once No, I do feel like that. in the midst of my trying to make it as a music writer, there was this new publication uh, and it was a country music. It was a really cool country music publication that was started by a guy that I kind of knew of. And so I pitched him and I just, you would just pitch like, oh, let's write, a, let's write about these guys, you know? And the first time he's like, we just did that. And I'm like, so next time, let's write about Rose Maddox. He's like, do you read the magazine? Like, oh, no. That's what he wrote back? Yeah. <gasps> Proper response? No response at that yes. point. And that was the last time I pitched them, which which is too bad because it would have been really a fun place to write for. See, but I, I was think an idiot. I think there's people who that doesn't stop them and that's those are the ones how that, you have to – and like have you heard this – you know, they have those Vita statistics that come out about um, how many, how many more men – By the way. What would you say? I had read the magazine. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. It's not every things, single issue. It just happens. Yeah. And that's kind of lame on his part, too. It was, it was, well, he wasn't very professional. Um, but uh, the Vita statistics, which have shown over and over again how many more men than women get published in given issues of both big magazines and smaller literary magazines, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And at first, sort of the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of editors was, look, we what happens is we reject uh, – we get – submissions from equally men and women and we reject the equal amounts of men and women but it's the men who keep sending us stuff and that kind of blew my mind like and is this true or not i don't know i don't know but uh there is a kernel of truth in that i think that like women if we want to you know walk our walk sometimes you just gotta say i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna do it like you just gotta take rejection it's and let it wash over you it's not easy but it keeps happening it does when i was younger i was really good about because I thought I had no shot at all. Like in my early twenties, when I decided, "Fuck it, I'm going to be a writer." Hey, oh shit, language. Uh-huh. Okay, F it. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> F it. My bleeping skills aren't very good. Oh, I liked it last time. I liked the bongos. <laughs> they were really good. I felt very groovy. Um, I would send. Th- okay, here, here's a good story. So I would send stuff out, thinking like I thought I had no hope. I just did it as like. This is what I've got to do. So then the first time I ever got a story taken, I was blown away that I got a story taken. So I used to be great about that. Um, And it's gotten harder and harder as I've gotten older because it feels more – Yeah, it feels more meaningful. That's really interesting. I never thought of it from that point of view because I never felt that way. I was one of those guys who was like, yeah, here I come, world. Look out. I could – my first short story was taken when I was 26 and I had given myself till I was 30 to get one published. So I thought, oh, my God, I've totally made it. Then I made the mistake of thinking, now it means I'm going to be publishing yeah, stuff. Yeah, everyone I sent Did out not work that, that way. way. And I thought, now I'm going to have a book by the time I'm 30. Hello, 50. So, yeah. um, but you know what? I had a story um, that was rejected over 30 times and was finally taken by Literal Latte in New York. This was a long time ago. And then it was a finalist for a big prize. Jeez. And um, that was a story that everyone had rejected. So 
Which brings up another you know? uh, funny little uh, quirk of being in this world is that's the story you hear when you get stuff rejected. Right, right. I, I, and, and when you live in a world like I do where there aren't – where there's a lot of non-writers in it, the, the, the reference is always bizarre. It's like – well, you know, uh, Fifty Dickinson. Shades of Grey got re- rejected <laughs> 40 <laughs> times. You know, she self-published that. <laughs> yeah, you should self-publish. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any... I think the only answer is you just have to keep submitting, and it is easier said than done, man. It's easier than it used to be. It's way easier than it used to be. It's way easier than it used to be, that's for sure. It's also easier to reject people, though. It is, it is. And um, the Internet's why there's reading fees, because that's the only way to have a little bit of, of a wall between the deluge. It's already a deluge. Let me uh, digress here by okay, telling you that free is not at all it was cracked up to be. No, I agree. Uh, when we, were doing no. Our, we were doing our little wine tour last weekend. Oh, yeah. The one place that was free, mobbed. And crappy. No, it was fine. Okay, good. But it was mobbed, and yeah. it was impossible to get their attention. Yeah. So we bailed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit the same, actually. You know, I mean, and also it now. was, it was, yeah, and it was also never entirely free because remember we had to have self-addressed stamped oh, yeah. envelopes. Oh. You had to like know how much your manuscript weighed, and you had to include the. I mean, it cost money I'll, to send it. It cost money to get to get it back. I think that process reduced the number of submissions I made in my twenties by fifty percent. Oh, for sure, it was such a hassle, and it, it was, was expensive. such a hassle, and it was really expensive. It really added up. <laughs> so you know, like it was never totally free. I just want to say. Like all that's all that's I was going to use a bad word. All that stuff cost Good. money. Good because I've only got one bongo thing to okay. bleep stuff out and we get redundant. Can't keep reusing it. it over and over again. I think I've used it twice. Did that's I have to a... bleep Lee? Maybe Lee. Yeah, Lee. I saw Lee last night. Was it inspirational? It was. That's a hard topic to talk about night after yeah. night. Teen suicide. That is. I tough. mean, it's more than that. It's about contagion, social contagions of all kinds. But uh, last night was heavy, man. It was like teen suicide and anorexia and bulimia. And but good things can catch too. You know what else catches? Success and ambition. Isn't that why we're part of the grotto? Yes, but it does. And while he was saying that, I was thinking. In fact, I turned to Karen Burnaby, who's right next to me, and said, "Nice pronunciation." Yeah, it's probably not how she says it, though. Well, Karen, depressed. Is she depressed? She was depressed over something on Facebook. Oh, that's right. It was her blood work, I think. I can't remember. I saw that afterwards. I actually saw her in person after she had posted that, but didn't see the post till Mm. after. So I responded inappropriately, I'm sure. At any rate, um, I said, I turned to Karen and I said, that's the grotto. Because being here and seeing people have successes makes you feel like, well, why not me? I'm here working. I'm here. They're here. Why not me? It can. But it can also depending on your frame of mind, make it seem like an insurmountable obstacle. But why would that, why, why that way? What makes it be like that? Or just just an intuition? Well, or, or not even an insurmountable obstacle, just a reminder. Oh, that it's not happening for you. Right. That, wow, look at all these people do. Like I just said, you know, you look at the, I don't usually read the newsletter, but I did this. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, holy crap. Jeez. I know. Isn't it amazing? What did I do last month? Man, people oh, are doing Switzerland. But you know, I just want to, I hope I'm not telling tales. Out of class? I know, like outside the grotto. But well, let's ask the people pounding. If she's telling tales out of school, pound twice. Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Could they hear that? Could you no. guys hear that? No, they're upstairs. They I know, but they you. did it again. But you can't. Sorry, bump, can't bump. tell the Okay, well, someone, I won't say the name then, sent an email to the Grotto. like Because we have a, is that called a listserv where everyone gets the, yeah. the Grotto-wide email? Which, I, I, I guess that's what it's called. <laughs> which can get a little contentious because some oh. people think it's okay to say, hey, everybody, don't leave your dirty dishes in the sink to all of us. And some uh. people think that's an abuse of the system. But yeah, I'm neither here nor there on that. My feeling is just don't read the email. But. Other people feel differently. At any rate, there was an email sent around to the whole grotto that was basically like, my novel has been rejected for the umpteenth time. I am so... And everyone says no one wants it on this topic. Mm-hmm. I'm being very ob- oblique because I want to be careful. Obtuse. Yes, always. Um, and I feel like I might give up writing. Mm. And I, this is... See, I didn't read this. Either. This was before you were here. Oh, okay. I'm going to mouth the name now to Larry. Oh, uh-huh. and um, 
And it was really a heartfelt and heartbreaking email. And I wrote back in a way that was like, whatever happens, I'm going to keep writing. I just have to. This was months before my book did not. Which, by the way, to back up a little bit, that is another thing that the grotto is for. That's one of the intentions of the grotto. There's people. Boy, I wish I there was someone I could share this with who could. But now I feel like I was a little bit um, like knee jerk Pollyannish. Like, well, I think we just have to keep going in the face of adversity. Blah blah blah. And then you know, four months later, I'm like sobbing at night when I walk my dog. So, but my point, and I do have one, is that novel ended up getting taken months, maybe over a year later and ended up being a huge book. And it's things like that where you're like, and I, yeah, my book didn't happen, but then the next one did. And so it can happen. It does happen. But But to keep the faith is hard. Keeping the faith is very hard. And the energy. (sighs) And the energy and to not get distracted. Yeah. And like like we were talking about earlier, I've had so many ideas for stuff. Here's how it works. At this point in a writing career, and I'm not making air quotes. I'm thinking about them, though. Um, You get an idea. Right. Whether you store it in your head, you write it on your phone, you keep a little little notepad in your pocket, which I tend to do. Mm -hmm. You write it down. you, You file it. Where? Either on your phone or in your head or on your little notepad. So you've got oh. I've got a list of ideas. So you don't have a file somewhere. You're no, just, no. That's like, You're a, just, that's like a phrase. It's mentally okay. filed. Yeah. I got it. And then you think, then you get kind of excited. Yeah. Hey, this is, and, it's, and you start. I've even had times where like I had this idea when we were in Switzerland and we went on this, again, another wine tour. <laughs> And there is this couple. Maybe this is the problem. This is the problem. Writing done. No, I'm not. A, I don't want to. And no impression. I'm a wine guy. I'm a beer guy. I'm not a wine guy. It just happens. Yeah, it's a circumstance. Fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Pretty. There cute. was an older couple sitting in front of us in this van who, from the back, looked exactly like my parents. Oh. I know. And the woman was even wearing the same like little. My mom used to wear this kind of uh, teal colored polo shirt all the time. Yeah. And at first <gasps> she had that on. Yeah. And oh at my First, God. I was really kind of bummed out. Yeah. You know, my mom passed away recently. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. And I thought I should write something about sort of a memoir type thing about all these trips I've taken since my mom died, starting with that one. Totally. It's a great idea, right? Yeah. Filed it away. Woke up a couple nights. Oh, yeah. And then this one will be. And then I was like laying it out in my head. But same with this idea I had the other day about my Mariner sweatshirt. Like I have cursed my favorite baseball team by buying this sweatshirt. <laughs> by I, owning a shirt. I should write something about that. And then at the end, you know, set fire to it. Now they're free. The problem is when you've had a string like I have, you go, why? Why would I do that? And that's, no one's ever going to read it. What's the point? You know, mm, That's the yeah. difference between writing a blog that all your friends read the next day and tell you how great it is. Yeah. That's, that's what gets me to write 1,500 words a day. This is where I think Hamlet comes into play. Hamlet? Yes. Because he just kept thinking instead of doing stuff. Mm, paralysis by analysis. Correct. Mm. Ooh, or that. Yeah. Uh, what is it? There's something blah, blah, but thinking makes it so. I can't remember. At any rate, the point is um, you just have to do shit. I know. Well, and that's and it's easy to tell yourself that, too. I know. But but there is there is magic in the doing. There really is. Well, and actually, if you're still convinced that you're good at something, which mm-hmm. I am still convinced I'm a pretty good writer, mm-hmm. doing it makes you feel good. Oh, totally. Like, and yeah, and that, this is good. I know. I finished a piece. In fact, I wrote my first completed new piece last weekend, mm. and I'm still on the high. You wrote it oh, in what, since the book came out, I should you say. You wrote it in Montana? I wrote it in Montana. That's, see, that's a thing. Well, Montana. I finished it in Montana. you got to be in Montana. Well, partly because I don't have my family around. Well, I have my extended family, but I can close the door on them. But I was able to just sit down and not do the dishes, not answer you know, right. the mail or whatever, do all the stuff. Just sit there and write for six hours. So I had already started it. I finished it there. But to, to do the final edits, to write the conclusion, to get it completely solid and sent off... So this is the first thing I've done. It's July since the book came out in March. That was this feels something, so good. Was it something you were just doing, or was it something you were assigned? It was something I pitched and got. Oh, yeah. And so that definitely helps in terms of knowing you have a deadline and knowing you have to get it out. And also, yeah. writers, uh, if you're in a position where I am, where you make a little bit of money doing copywriting for people, mm-hmm. that's not really writing. Yeah, and not emails yourself. aren't either. Emails aren't, even if they're super clever. Yeah, not writing. 
Uh, unless, but I think writing in a journal is writing. Not everyone thinks that. Well, you know that you bring up a good point because I have, and this will sound weird. My most most success has been achieved through doing blogs, which are basically public journals. That doesn't sound weird at all. But so what? My Wikipedia is going to say Larry Rosen is an American blogger. That does happen. Really? Of course. I guess it worked for Julia and Julia. Oh, oh yeah. And you know what? That first book was pretty good. Actually, I read it. I thought it was pretty good. It was the pretty second good. one, I was. Too odd for me to even. I, is that where she breaks up with her husband? And well, it, yeah, and has like an affair with an S and M person. Ooh, I think. Yeah, I don't want that. I, I just, want the cooking. I just want the cooking. <laughs> I went for the cooking too. Uh, let I'm me so tell sad. you, it's very hard to turn your blog, no matter how much people love yep. it, into an actual book. Because I've tried. Right. I don't know. Uh, so in my mind, it wouldn't be so much that that becomes the book, but that the discipline and inspiration and juice of writing every day. Mm-hmm is a springboard to do a book. Well, you know, in my more lucid moments, I try to think of these things as projects. Yeah. Like here's like I did one the year. So my, the memoir that still needs to be made better was came from a project that was a friend suggested a year before my son's bar mitzvah. Why don't you write every day? And you did that, right? A thousand words. To me, that is so much discipline. I could, like my it's brain is going to explode. It's crazy, right? Yes. And that you can go from that to not typing for like... Six not, months? Not typing. I love that you call that. <laughs> yeah, but there was, I mean, I had to really it's mourn weird. when I finished the memoir and it wasn't taken. Like, I definitely had some follow months there because you just are like, oh, to come But back it's not from that. that. It's, this, it's the motivation of doing these projects and either yeah. knowing that someone's going to see this tomorrow and comment on it. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Or, or like doing, I did the Grant uh, Faulkner's National. Oh, you did that? Did you level? actually do it? Do yeah. it? You're maybe the only person I've ever met who actually did it. No, yeah. I want to do it. Can you do it with nonfiction too? You just call it National Nonfiction Writers Month? I don't know. But it was it has that, to be a novel. It was that, um, not credibility, what's being held accountability. But because, the accountability is in your head. I know. So but, can't you just do that? Because I have a rule for myself that I'm not following right now because I'm not back in the rhythm that I write 500 words a day no matter what or two hours of editing every day no matter what. Five days a week, every day. And so let me ask you this. Do you, um, and let me stop saying let me ask you this because okay. I do it on both podcasts at okay. least 10 times. I've not noticed. Do you do it at the exact same time every day in no. the exact same place? That would be helpful probably. I, that's what I keep thinking. I try to write in a journal every morning mm-hmm. and I do it like 50% of the time. But sometimes I write at night. Like last night I wrote at night because I had this awesome interaction with Ethel Rowan at... Is there any other kind of interaction I know. With totally. Ethel Rowan? My God. She's so fantastic. But I'm stressing, stressing over a situation that's actually an embarrassment of riches mm. <laughs> where I'm trying to choose between two projects that are available to me. Nice. And she said, do them both. <laughs> but that's some huge and revelation. <laughs> I was like, What? I could do both. You're kidding. Yes. And she goes and she said, she, and I took her, I literally took her hand. I was like, I'm so glad I saw you tonight. And <laughs> consider this, you're going to be down one kid next year. You have 50% more time. I know. Right. Okay. Yeah. So exactly. And then she said, we only have so much time. We have to seize the day. I'm paraphrasing because she's far more eloquent than me and has an Irish accent. So Irish like accent. Really good. Sounds really good. And she said, think of Roxanne Gay. I just think to, think to myself, Roxanne Gay is doing all this stuff. And so we should be able to do that. I'm like, yes, yes. I was so pumped up when I got home and I stayed up late, like writing in my journal, mm-hmm. which I would normally do in the morning, but sometimes at night, if I have an exciting interaction like that. See, and I actually wouldn't want to, well, I guess you're, I don't want to write at weird hours because I know it's not sustainable. You could eat. I'm pointing. I'm She's pointing at me. Poking. Across the table. She's wearing a large ring <gasps> that resembles a ladybug. Oh, my God. My ring You is almost split me off, didn't you? I'm sure you <laughs> Now I am she flipping them off. I can't bleep that out. Um, this ring, I keep buying myself things while I'm like book touring. Thinking sure. like, I'm getting myself something for the book tour. And this is like my third thing. But um, I got it at um, Jim Rulin's shop in oh, San Diego. And it's beautiful. Jim yeah. And it's... Uh, Super big piece of um, what's that called? Turquoise, turquoise with the glyph for a butterfly, Mexican really? glyph. Uh, and I would say, uh, Aztec, if you want Mayan. to flip someone off, that will I know. add a I lot. I love it. It makes me super happy. Wait, it makes it me off. so happy. I love this ring so much. Um, what but was I talking about? I was oh, pointing to say you especially could so easily do 500 words a day and think of what would come out of it. 
I think, I think, friends, that we need to assign Larry a little bit of homework. Oh. I think you need to write 500 words a day till we see you. Oh, I'm not even going to see you next week, am I? No, no. Oh, okay. I like this very much. Can't wait. Okay. You don't have to like it. Um, no. So here's what I'm going to say. Okay. And I, I kind of already have the answer because I've done it before. But yeah. do you write when you're traveling? And not to Montana because I was like a retreaty type of thing where you're yeah. with your family and everything. Yeah. But like if you're on the move. Uh, depends where I am with something. But yes, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Actually, no, I write a lot when I'm traveling. Do but you? more journaling. Because I don't unless I'm doing a blog. All those people that went to Italy with us are probably like, boy, Rosen, geez, the discipline on that guy. We'd be out there <laughs> drinking wine. And he's like, nope, got to sit down and write my 1,500 words. Uh, no, I can't do that when I have my family around because they would kill me. Understandably right. so. I find it really – but uh, yeah, I do do that actually. And, and in fact, I get a lot of writing done when I'm traveling. Hmm. I write really well on planes. I write really well in hotel rooms. I love being somewhere else. I love not having to make dinner. I feel like that takes up a lot of the day. It could. I just started making dinner and it, and it takes up a lot of the day in a really nice way. Yeah, but not if you want to be writing. Well, right. Or if you're trying to avoid writing, though, it's yeah. awesome. Um, I think I think you should really write 500 words a day. 500 words a day. Even like I'm going to Arizona this weekend to see yeah, my dad. Totally. Why not? It's not going to take you any time at all. Just write about that. Write about that thing with your mom. Okay. Please do it. I think you need to. I want to check in with you next time we talk. All right. And let me – this is a good time to point out that BQ has never read one word of anything I've written. You don't even know if I can write. Do I do you? know you can write because you wouldn't be here otherwise. That's true. And I think I did Oh, you read... might have. Yeah, you might have read some. I was going to say, I know I have read something yeah, of yours, actually. True. And I thought it was pretty great. It might have been some of the bar mitzvah thing. It was. Yeah, that's I right. love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I got to make that into an actual book. You can. You must. Oh, I know. It's yeah. Just, it's just... Okay. Re- right. Readers. Listeners. Writers. You've written 100,000 words that aren't done. Right. They, the idea that of makes diving sense. back into that, and yeah. there's major structural things that need to happen. It's it's kind of above my pay grade because I'm more of a stylist than an actual writer. I remember Janice Cook Newman saying that she had her kid at Camp Mather. Is that how you say it? Camp Mather? Yeah, sure. Camp Mather. It's not Camp Mather. It's a, uh, no, it's Mather. It's a popular family camp. Yeah, in, t- in uh, Yosemite. With my people. Yes. Um, she was with your people. <laughs> bald Russian looking guys. <laughs> and she said that she had written her novel. I think this was when she had written her novel um, about Abraham Lincoln's wife. Why does her name escape me? Mary. Mary Todd Lincoln. Yeah. So she'd written her novel, Mary, and her son was quite young. And she had, you know, a giant manuscript and she edited it just like sitting in a fold out chair. By the pool or something. Yeah. That, and I was like, I could not believe anyone could do that. But she was like, just she has amazing discipline. And that's how she did well, it. Well, yeah, we've t- been talking about discipline. Yeah. And, and that's another level of discipline is this idea of we talked about discipline and we talked about I asked you about sitting in the same place at the same time. But be able to carve out that feeling mm-hmm. that, no, I'm nowhere near the place I usually write. Yeah. It's nowhere near the time that I oh, usually write. That I think you got to get over. I think, think it's crazy discipline to do that. Like I'm going to get myself in that frame of mind, and and I can do it. I think. I think there's no frame of mind. I think you just do oh, I it. Think there's a frame of mind. I think when you start, it's like smiling. You feel better. It's like that. <laughs> when you do it, then that you're in the frame. Are you wearing lipstick? <sighs> oh, I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I almost called you a very bad word, but I would get in trouble. I would have the bongo. That was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot lipstick today, and it is so. I feel naked now. I feel naked in front of lots of people. I wouldn't have noticed. I got to tell you, I'm I know because it's noticed. usually not an abrupt color that you wear. <laughs> but I, I noticed. I wouldn't have noticed. And you guys out there, you probably wouldn't notice either. And but the ladies, they but the ladies, they might have noticed because they one understand. thing I've learned since joining the grotto is women who write, they think about what they're going to look like when they go up to do readings. Do men not? I think some guys don't. I saw. Really? Remember, remember William Volman? I do remember. What happened to him? He writes a ton. That he guy. Wrote a ton, Whoa. And I saw him write, and he was so weird. And he just. Are you scared to say this on air? What if it oh, gets back shoot. to him? Like he knows who I am. I'm no one. Oh, that guy was no one. Said so I was. And you know what? He was weird because he was trying to be weird. He had a starter oh. pistol that he pulled out and fired three okay. times. Okay. So that was, and then there right. he kind of. Eh. 
But he just wore like a big old shapeless sweatshirt, you know? Yeah. That's like the old that's like the old kind of there was a certain kind of rock dude who would like get up on stage looking supposed to look just like they hadn't tried at all. Right. That's a hard look to pull off, actually. I think that and I think that is an essentially male look because that is very yeah. like James Dean, like it's just a white t shirt. Yeah, what are you talking uh, about, man? I remember seeing Sonic Youth in the mid '80s, and she, she was pretty good at just like it looked like she just had a t-shirt and like a skirt on. But well, she was she really looked good. Did so. she, in my entire life, I have met one person who didn't care how they looked. Who was it? Are I'm you? not going to say. Oh, okay, it was just a guy I knew. Oh, and he, I said, yeah, he really doesn't care how he looks. But attractive people often can be more that way than unattractive people because they don't need all the other stuff. I knew a right. model in New York who, like, truly seemed like she did not care, but she had a perfect body and a perfect face. I bet she cared. She just had a great advantage. Like Brad Pitt probably rolls out of bed and seems like he doesn't care because he's yeah. probably so tired. Of like, God, I have to go to these stylists and they make yeah. me up, you know. And she, I don't know. She seemed like she didn't care and she always looked fantastic because she just looked really good. But I don't know. But lipstick has been my thing since I was like probably 13. Really? And so I really, some people say, like, you know, I don't have mascara on. I feel like I don't look like myself. That's how I feel. I feel strange. You look like someone else? Yeah. I didn't recognize you at first. Who is that? <laughs> Who is that stunning <laughs> older woman? natural looking woman in the That's grotto right. Hmm, who could it be across from me here? Uh, I mean, right, now we have talking about writing there for Talked about, about lipstick, uh, dudes. Thing here. Your 500 words a day. So you know what? Let's, oh, let's just, oh. What? Let's make now, it a competition. For all Grotto Pod listeners. Or, well, but, okay, yes. For or all, for just us? For the two of us. Okay. 500 words a day. I'm kind of freaking out because I don't I'm kind know. of freaking out too because I'm, I'm thinking about how complicated it's going to be. I'm going, so, okay, here's my agenda mm-hmm. for the next. Right on the plane. Seven days. Okay. Going to see my child. In L.A. At his apartment in the big city. That's going to be hard. First time he'll be hosting me, and he's very, I can tell he's already pretty, but what are we going to have for dinner? I'm going to make some tortellini for you, Dad. Oh, I know. It's very cute. So awesome. Uh, I'm giving you the good bed. I'm sleeping in the bedroom. The bed kind of sucks. I'm like, all right. And we're going this to, won't last. We're going to my dad's in Arizona. And driving? We're driving with my sister. That'll be fun. So I got to carve out a little time there. Yeah. Uh, and we're going, uh, then I come back. Be back mm-hmm. in L.A. with my child, which means I'm going to see like 12 movies because that's what he does. And I'm gonna, that sounds I, fun. I, I said, I'm going to take a grocery shopping. I'm all dad-like, right? Let me buy you some gro- Look, dad, I've got groceries. Well, maybe a few things. Like, all right. Oh, to, well, my, I used to hit up my parents. Totally. Until my parents are in their 90s. And I was doing it until not long ago. My dad said the rule was, his father told him the rule is that yeah. the dad pays until he retires. Oh. And then the child pays. My dad's been retired for like 30 years, well, though. I so. think you're kind of... Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I went over back. the... Yeah. Uh, whereas we writers will never retire. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. There's a great essay by Lynn Freed on narrative, mm-hmm. um, and it's about getting older and losing the desire to write. It's really good. And I just reread it this morning and was like, whoa, that does happen. Yeah. I mean, like, didn't Philip Ross say he's not going to write anymore? Yeah. I think so. It's but hard to I imagine. But I think it's way easier, too, if you've got a huge body of work behind you. I mean, yeah, don't you but, start to feel I mean and I don't want to be mean, but like who else does Philip Roth have? Like didn't he just have writing? I don't know. I think so. I mean I met someone who met him once who was very unpleasant, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well. Um don't you feel like you are in your career? Let's pretend like writing is like selling medical supplies. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like you're kind of at the beginning of your career? Me? Or in the middle of your career? Oh. And then there's all, it's going to go up, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm at the beginning of my career, I hope, yeah, although it's I, taken me 20 years to get here. overnight success. Y- yeah. I mean, me too, though. I, I mean, I can't imagine that I should be tailing off right now. No, I, I mean, that's I partly why, say. Larry, Yeah. I'm going to do them at the same time ah, because, because I need to seize the, the day. Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm going to do them at the same time. I think that's a good idea. I think so, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. 500 words a day is going to be hard because you have all this other stuff going on. My personal rule is 500 words a day, five days a week. Five days a week. Okay. So 2,500 words a week. Yep. And I keep it on a calendar. And also two hours of editing count as 500 words. That's my own. I make up all these things for myself. Okay. I'm a terrible editor. So um, you could also just keep, I mean, that could just be keeping a journal Mm. every day. 500 words. I've done that before. Yeah. You keep old journals? I keep everything. I don't them? ever Go read them. Go back and read them? Mm-mm. I do. It's great. Is it? Eh, sometimes. I, what really makes me sad, the times I have gone back and looked at things, like when I lived in New York in my 20s, 
I'm always like, what did I used to eat? Or what was, oh. and I never, ever wrote about, I only wrote about like metaphysical musings, not only, right. but a remarkable amount of the time. <clears throat> and like, I don't give a shit what I was thinking about. It was all stupid. What I really want to know is, did I take the six? Like, what? <laughs> How did I get remember. there? I mean, you can put yourself Sometimes there. I can. I, you know, man, once when I the graduated, details would have been nice. when I started doing a journal, I took a trip to Australia after I graduated. <gasps> that sounds amazing. And I had my little journal and my oh, mom got wait, me. Wait, I know all about this because I heard about it on... Is it good for the Jews? Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. But anyways, you didn't hear about this part. Though. I started writing the journal, and right. at first it was like, oh, metaphysical jur- yeah. ramblings, which Musings. is the part I read now. I'm like, oh, jeez, embarrassing. <laughs> I know, totally. But then you I don't know that. when or why I decided, but one day I decided, screw it. I'm just going to recount what happened every single day. And it takes off at that point. It's really funny. That's how really, David Sedaris's is. Is it? It's like daily things that, I mean, don't you wish you knew that in 1977 you smoked pot in the basement with... Because Todd, when you see that, it comes back. Whatever, and then yes. I took this stupid train, and I was playing my guitar. Like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that. But that's really writing for yourself. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. the writing. Like, I think that's the thing. I have nothing I'm working on, though I might. Um, a third thing? No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I should be doing a lot of things actually right now. But um, and also, I'm. I mean, a week long class is a lot. And just FYI, when you're teaching art history, there's a lot of images to coordinate mm, with. Yeah. The, that's interesting that I'm now teaching art history again after Full all circle. these years. Yeah. yeah. But it's okay. I dig it. Well, uh, we just killed an hour. <sighs> this is what this is just like we do sitting on the couch. Yeah. Imagine we're just sitting in BQ's office instead of a tiny little, uh, which is much easier to deal with with only two people in it. Oh, my God. It's so spacious yeah, with it's two. It's spacious. still hot, though. I'm hot. But we deliver to you, listeners, the Grotto Pod Challenge to write 500 words a day uh, until. Can I tell you where that came from? Where? I know we're done. Okay. But this is a, a coda. Okay. Stephen King writes 2,000 a day, six days a week, or maybe it's every day. I can't remember. Someone write us and remind me. It's in on writing. And I thought, of course, 2,000, that's obviously impossible, but 500 seemed doable. It is totally doable. Okay. Stephen King also owns a corgi. Oh. So, uh, yeah, that wraps it up for us. We issued the Grotto Pod Challenge. Yes. Uh, And we're taking it up ourselves. And we invite you to... um, Go ahead Join and us. Email us some of your experiences writing these 500 words. Let us know how it's going for you. Uh, grottopod at gmail.com. Totally let us know. And Grotto people, if you're listening, and you should be members of the San Francisco Writers Grotto, you need to do this too. Let us know. Or just go on Twitter uh, the yep. Grotto pod, at the Grotto Pod and uh, tweet at us and let us know how it's going for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet tomorrow after I do my 500 words. Okay. Maybe I'll tweet too and say I did my 500 words. Here okay. If I would about, high-five you, but it's too far. They're about a sweatshirt. Um, I like it. Follow me at that Larry Rosen or is it good for the Jews.com if you can't deal with the idea of only hearing me once a week. Or at Bequintrust. That has two ends. You have a website too, right? Yeah, at BridgetQuinnAuthor.com. Lorianne Doyle. Before you send us out, this is it. The moment we've been waiting for. Ta-da! We're going to debut a new Sugartown song. It is called Waiting for the Earthquake. So after you hear BQ, don't uh, put down your headphones, get off the elliptical. Wouldn't it be funny if people were on the elliptical listening to us? That would freak me out. A little bit. I imagine them more just walking around. or just Doing dishes. Doing dishes, listening at work. Maybe the, I don't feel like writing. I'm just going to listen to those guys talk about writing. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. my point being, after BQ takes us home, stick around and listen to Sugartown's new track, Waiting for the Earthquake. By the way, right before I got to Montana, 5.8 earthquake. So you're no longer waiting for the earthquake. Nope, it happened. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Send us out. Okay, guys. Read. Right. Just keep working. 500 words a day. Yep. Done. Driving on this roadway so high up in the sky. Alcatraz in the distance Like a fortress for the damn Somewhere down below me The cold waters roll Like black ink in the sunset The ragged depths below And I'm waiting for the earthquake 
Waiting for the ground to break Hoping this old bridge will take me down slow Take me down slow It's my time to go If the bitter morning sun finds that the world's a different place Just know that I was traveling with the sun upon my face The water held me gently when I fell in its embrace Like a lover coming towards me with his eyes upon my face and I'm waiting for the earthquake Waiting for the ground to break Hoping this old bridge will take me down slow Take me down slow It's my time to go These cables rise above me I'm hoping they won't bend I'm somewhere between caution Not knowing how it is And I'm waiting for the earthquake Waiting for the ground to break Hoping this old bridge will take me down Take me down slow It's my time to go